of us can get together There's nothing sweeter, finer When it's nice and cold I can't hold my baby closer to me And collect the kisses that are due me I love the winter weather Because I got my love to keep me warm It's winter time Today we're going to talk about keeping the Anderson economy humming and warm and also all the tiger tales that are fit to tell on the January 20th, 2016 edition of the Anderson Observer podcast, news from people you trust. Today we're going to talk to Anderson County Deputy, Chief Deputy and Emergency Services Director Taylor Jones. We've had him on our, our podcast several times before about getting ready for winter weather, which may or may not be coming here in the day, next couple of days, but certainly coming here before winter is over. We're also going to talk to the Anderson Area Chamber of Commerce Director and CEO Pam Christopher about Friday's Economic Development Forum at the Civic Center. And we have an interview with retired Clemson Assistant Athletic Director John Saketa, who is author of Clemson Through the Eyes of a Tiger, a book of stories and history about the Clemson Tiger sideline mascot. As always, the podcast is brought to us by Sullivan's at Brookstone, Anderson's best spot for lunch and dinner Thursday through Friday. And lunch on Wednesdays and Sunday, that's right, Sunday Sullivan lunch for the first time ever in Anderson, right out there at Brookstone. There's the same great food, nice place. It's like Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill Jr. if you haven't been out there. It's a really nice place. Hope you get out and check it out. Check them out on Facebook. You can find the menu there, Sullivan's at Brookstone or at Sullivan'sBrookstone.com. And, of course, if you're downtown, don't forget the mothership, Sullivan's Metropolitan Grill, one of the top restaurants anywhere in the country. Always picked one of the tops in the, top in the south and... They've got some of the best food you'll find anywhere. I've traveled all over. You're not going to beat Sullivan's food. It has been another great week in Anderson. Uh, The ice skating rink down at Carolina Wren Park shut down on Monday for the season, and they had more than 6,600 paid skaters from the day after Thanksgiving through Monday, and they came from 72 different cities, 32 different states, and two foreign countries. Those will be Australia and Ecuador. Not a lot of ice skating rinks in Ecuador, so they drive up to Anderson, I think, is their their, their shortest uh, jaunt. Uh, City of Anderson Recreation Director Bobby Bevel told me that the city is already thinking about how to tweak the the concept for next year and make the park uh, ice skating maybe available for private parties and some other have some other surprises available. Continue making it available to public, obviously, for a nice, affordable way for folks to find something to do with their kids and grandkids and get out of the house. Bobby also said that the skating really helped bring more business to downtown Anderson, which was one of the big goals of the city when they purchased this uh, rink and put it up. Because bringing more people to downtown is always a great idea, and I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next year. As we record this week's podcast, uh, it looks like we're finally going to get that first taste of winter wet stuff here in the next few days. Uh, Some snow flurries today, Wednesday, maybe Thursday morning, and maybe snow, ice, freezing rain could be coming in for the first real taste of wet winter weather this weekend. And if you listen to Taylor Jones and the things he tells you to do, you'll be ready for it. Um, we'll talk about weather because it is winter, and we did have all that warm weather that made everybody think it's not going to be cold this year. <laughs> well, Greg, I tell you what, man, people are all disappointed all over the county when I talk to them, talking about ice storms and ice storm preparedness and stuff. It's been hard to get that message out this year. Right. In fact, uh, when we did our uh, winter weather briefing, that we normally have about 70 or 80 county leaders and school districts and all that. We only had about 15 to 10 this year, and I think it was because – when it was 80 degrees outside in November when we were doing that and people were wearing flips, flops, and shorts, it's hard to think about ice storms. But the thing is, 
with the uh, El Nino pattern that's going on, uh, increased moisture, uh, with the jet stream uh, uh, going down over the next week or two, uh, you know, it, it kind of concerns me a lot because we have the potential to have some ice storms and severe winter weather. And so we want to encourage people to have a plan. Go to our website, uh, AndersonCountyES.com, or go to the Red Cross's site. They both um, got good, um, solid information on how to make an emergency plan. We always encourage people to have uh, 72 hours of uh, good food and water supplies on hand in case an emergency happens. Encourage people to always check your smoke detectors, your COT detectors, because in the wintertime, you know, we always have some deaths related to that, and we want people to, to be encouraged to think about that ahead of time and, and to make sure that all their equipment in their home works, uh, especially when you're turning that gas on the first time. And make sure your CO2 sensors work on that. And it's all blown out, got all the dust out of it, because that dust cells in there in the wintertime, and sometimes those things don't malfunction. So... <clears throat> flashlights and batteries. They flashlights and batteries. Uh, bottled water, flashlights bottle, and batteries. Having spare uh, reading glasses, you know, if you break your, your, your glasses. You know, having stuff in your car if you get out in the snow. Uh, a, a shovel, blanket, you know, a little bit of a uh, couple energy bars, some water, stuff like that in case you're stranded. Um, remember that in, in our 911 center, We'll always send you help, but it may take us a little longer to get that help to you, you know, with the snow and ice, uh, especially when the roads start to ice away. We do something every year that I think is unique to most counties. We actually pair up a paramedic, a law enforcement officer, and a tech rescue uh, uh, firefighter that we put in our Humvees. We keep five Humvees so we can put one in each one of the regions so that if uh, something happens critical, um, and, and the roads are very icy and stuff. Those Humvees, uh, they, they can go where a lot of other things can go because they're heavy and they're solid. got really uh, uh, good uh, capabilities there to go. So we've um, we used some military surplus equipment to do that, and, and that's worked real well for us to pass when we couldn't get ambulances up hills and then down driveways that were frozen over and things like that. So we'll be prepared this winter to do those type things with emergency services personnel and and have our EOC up and running at any threat of things. We'll be pushing out emergency notifications ahead, you know, letting people know where to get information, what what to do, what not to do, and, and remind folks um, of, um, you know, the severe winter weather, you know, events uh, ahead of time. Because, again, don't wait to the last minute. And that's, that's kind of, uh, I've waited for the last minute this year. My own personal home generator, uh, I need to change out the spark plug and stuff, and I waited to la actually last night to do that, and I ran it for a while and get it to work. And so, uh, you know, like I say, they, they're talking about it being around the horizon, and uh, we just want everybody to be prepared for that. I guess one of the other challenges that's arisen in probably the last at least 10 years, probably five years even, um, is the increasing number of people without a landline. So if you don't have a car charger, you're going to be out of communication. Well, you know, that is a good point, Greg. Uh, I urge people to have a car charger and the, the uh, other charging capabilities that, that you can get, the Morphe's and now. They're not cheaper, and, too, those and all backup that, yeah, battery packs. Backup battery packs. Have a charge when you know the weather's coming. Because remember, your phone is your lifeline during an emergency, and it's real important to you know uh, have uh, things charged up and have you know, the battery backups. But you know, just going out there and plugging it in your car and, 
being able to recharge a unit, that's a, that's a good assurance to have that kind of capability there. So we've got winter weather coming, and we at least we probably look at another eight weeks good shot at it. Maybe even later, because we've had them late into March. That's correct. Be three months now. Um, what else is going on at emergency services? Well, we're doing a lot of uh, focus right now with uh, working, uh, building content for the county TV station and stuff. Mm -hmm. Because emergency services have a big uh, role in that. Right. Not um, basically on a lot of different roles. One, the sheriff's going to have a uh, a fugitive wheel that you know we'll be able to focus on the criminal of the week and mm -hmm. uh, talk about them and, and uh, uh, talk about the most wanted. Uh, uh, Chuck Wright's come out with on Fox, uh, Carolina, talking about the knucklehead of the week. You know, we're going to have the Fugitive of the Week, uh, the Wheel of Fugitive um, Contest. Uh, so we're going to focus on that. We're going to focus on adopting a pet uh, with the uh, uh, Paul's animal uh, shelter mm -hmm. folks and all. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, uh, good economic development announcements coming out by county council that uh, you know they'll, they'll be pushing out from their standpoint. Uh, we've got... Uh, some some preparedness messages and safety tips that's going to be uh, every week so that we can keep people up to date on that. And we'll be pushing that out social media, through the TV, uh, through the Internet. You know, what we're talking about here is a whole media uh, communications platform that we can reach people uh, during, during crisis and communicate well, but also let them know about the fun things going on in the community. You know, we have a event at the Civic Center or downtown live, you know, all these things keep people apprised of, of what's happening in our community. Well, your division will be a lot of education. I mean, there's going to be a lot it, of, it, you may have one of the biggest education components because you're talking about preparing people to do various things. That's exactly right. The Sheriff's Office, we're pushing out a big active shooter program at Covenant right. Church. Uh, uh, coming up in January, we've got some uh, uh, other programs with active shooters that we're going to be doing in the plants and in the communities of what to do if you have an active settlement come into your place of business and how to react. Uh, we've got, uh, we're partnering with Mills on Wheels. We're partnering Angie Stringer's been leaving the county, going to Cancer, Cancer Society. Uh, she's been talking to us a lot about uh, having a, um, a special needs, we're going to call it Project Special Needs, mm -hmm. that will focus on cancer patients and mm -hmm. what they should do in emergencies and make sure they have the backup things that they need, not only just to their day-to-day -day survival, but also to back up their medical equipment, their oxygen, having a spare oxygen tank, having a, a, a chemotherapy, extra medicines, and things like that that they might need, and have access to you know home health care in times of emergency. The other thing we're kicking off that I'm most excited about is this. We have the community paramedic program that we're working with our partners in EMS, the hospital and all. Uh, Tri-County Tech is actually the first uh, place that's going to be certified. Uh, these um, paramedic, uh, uh, community paramedic folks, it's going to be an extra 300-hour uh, program that's going to teach paramedics uh, kind of the home health care, uh, innovative health care type uh, things. And this is not designed to replace home health care nurses or with paramedics. What it's designed to do is... is uh, for that chronically ill patient that EMS is having to go out to their home over and over and over, so that non-compliant diabetic, teach them how to better manage their disease process, make checks in them so they don't get transported to the hospital and they don't end up in ICU beds and things like that. So uh, that program is going to be kicking off. Uh, Abbeville piloted that through the Rural Health Care Act um, uh, through the state, and it was very successful for it. And now we're training people here in Anderson. We're going to be adding that to... Uh, 
our countywide EMS program, and we're excited about some of those things happening. Because uh, it's, it's really what that program does, I think people forget about, is the, our, they're taking care of our elderly citizens, the people. Uh, if you just had bypass surgery, you know, a lot of these innovative healthcare programs have a van that comes around or, a, right. you know, an RV or something. You know, you, you can't get out of bed when you just had bypass surgery. Right. You, you've got pulmonary uh, disease and stuff where you've got chronic COPD. Um, those type of people have to have people to come to them. And that's what this program is going to be focusing on, um, taking that care to the patient. We're going to track our EMS patients that we're doing um, uh, a lot of calls in through the 911 center. And then we're going to offer them that. We're going to offer that project special needs, we're going to offer people the opportunity to sign up with Meals on Wheels, the Cancer Society, uh, and some of the other uh, nonprofit organizations. So that special project, um, <clears throat> special uh, needs, needs uh, population, we want to make sure that we meet, um, you know, and make sure we have uh, in the capabilities in place to meet their needs during the process. Well, we get ready to launch that. Can Angie gets over to Cancer Association Anderson, we'll get back together and kind of really give people all the ABCs oh, of that. Man. But one of the things I wanted to remind people about and just kind of get an update, um, in case y'all don't know, the dispatch reports to Taylor as part of your group. Mm-hmm. Now, did the raises help stabilize employment a little? I'm going to tell you something. The, the raises that county council give right. our public safety folks this year has made a big difference. That's awesome. It stabilized um we actually, in about three or four weeks after the raises were instituted, we had so many people return back to 911. We were completely filled in a week and a half, two week period. Uh, we have maintained that that level since then. I think we have one open at 911 center. And, and if folks or if anybody out there is getting qualifications like that or interested in coming to 911 operate, we uh, urge them to go to the sheriff's office uh, web page and, and uh, post an application. They can put an application uh, for that. We've also seen a st- uh, stability in our deputies. Uh, you know, we were we were training deputies up, and as soon as they were getting out of the academy two years later and they were off contract, other agencies were scooping them up. And uh, we've seen uh, uh, ret- our retention rate go through the roof there. And it's also been able to stabilize a lot of our training needs and things at the sheriff's office by uh, having, uh, you know, we bring in five or six people at one time instead of, take them as a class so they get prepared before they go to the academy so they have a higher uh, success rate at the academy uh, we have one of our guys that was a civil intern with us this year coming from the civil criminal justice program that uh, is actually doing really good at the academy right now and got uh, several others down there we we actually hoping uh, that uh, one of those guys comes back with the uh, the uh, jp strong award this year because a couple of them are real competitive right now and, and uh, up there, very competitive in the top of the class. Uh, well, not just from logistics, but by reducing turnover significantly, it's good for the community. They get to know the community better, more plugged it, in. And it is better for the community because when the 911 operator knows the community, talks to a lot of the same people over and over and over, they can be proactive. Same thing with that guy out there in uniform patrol when he's patrolling you know, the community being really active. Uh, you know, one of the things that the sheriffs made a big point about this year is, you know, we lost Heiko. And uh, so they're working right now. We're replacing uh, uh, Heiko. Not that we'll ever replace him, but actually get a, get a, uh, another canine officer 
um, and the community has been great in donating money with the foundation. Over, I think the last number was close to $9,000 on that. And uh, so we, we're, uh, we're working with our kennel right now to, um, you know, uh, do something there. But we've also, uh, there's new legislation out there called the High Coast Law. And, and I encourage people to contact the legislators. The Anderson County delegation is all in on this. And uh, I'm excited about that. But, you know, a canine officer, a lot of training, a lot of money goes in, into it. And those those canines, they really make a difference. They protect and save our officers. Uh, just like Brandon's life was saved by HICO. You know, it's probably, uh, it's a lot of instances throughout the state that we can talk about that. And, and I, I just urge people to contact their legislators and get behind this law because we want to stop you know, and make people think we want it to be such a severe penalty that it's, you know, they, they think better than to do Yeah, the current penalty is just way too light. I mean, it is. You don't even serve, you may serve a year or something if you shoot. It's like, it's shooting an officer. It is. Officer. It is shooting I'm sorry, it's not, it's a dog, but it's in the line of duty kind of. That, 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 that dog is protecting and serving just like it did. He's right. doing, and the law should be stringent and it should be, should be something that makes a difference. Well, it sounds like it's gaining traction. It, it is, and, and I'm telling you, our canine officers and the handlers that do that, they really make a difference in our community, and we need to be behind them. Well, I, I saw Heiko for years. Uh, his in-laws live next door, and they live with him for a while. And, I mean, I saw them train that dog, and that dog, my dog's just a complete wild dog. And Heiko would just sit there and look at her, running around, barking and carrying on. Very well-trained, very... Well, you know, uh, I'm not an expert at all. In, in canines, but what what I've noticed through the years is the discipline that those officers have, the discipline that the canines have, and the difference that they make in saving lives. It, it, I've seen it over and over, seen it happen and make a difference in our community. Those dogs' noses, they're sharp. Our bomb squad dogs, I've seen them sniff out things. I've seen our drug dogs do the same, and i also seen you know, from our bloodhounds and our protective, you know, uh, dogs. All those canine officers are out here making a difference in Anderson County. And I just can't thank the public for enough of the support that they've given to the sheriff's office, to Brandon, and to Haiko, his memory, by, by donating and coming together as a community like they have. It's we appreciate those officers because that's a lot of extra work on their plate to have it's not just you get a dog. It's a tremendous amount of responsibility and work. And That's exactly right. The other thing I wanted to mention before we finish up here today, because I know when we get bad weather, we're going to get to get him. I want to remind everybody again, because I know we're recording this on Thursday, uh, the 7th, and tonight's a trash forum, and one of the big things they're going to talk about is reporting people, you know, if you see them littering. Let's remind people not to call 911. There's another dispatch number. Two six zero four 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 four. Not hard to remember. That's right. Two six zero. Your friend four 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 four. Right. That's right. And it, you can call if you see something going on suspicious or something you feel like you need to report. You can call that. Well, I, I tell you, we talk about this in our active assailant training all the time, and the Anderson Strong Project, and 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 what to do if you see something. If you see something, call nine one one. I tell you, people make a difference with us. I had a call last night from a concerned citizen that lives in my neighborhood off of Five Forks Road. So there was two uh, subjects at 11.30 at night walking up the road with flashlights, shining in people's yards, may have been looking at the cars, scoping things out. Well, dispatch had already had officers in route 
uh, I actually got up because I'm close by, got in my patrol car and let one out and, and uh, uh, <clears throat> I started looking to see, you know, because I thought I might could beat the patrol officers there. We actually got there about the same time and uh, we, we patrolled the area and, and did a good search around it. But uh, the thing I noticed that made me really proud is the Anderson Strong movement is out there and it's strong. Because I've seen porch lights on in the community. When I come back and looked at Facebook, people made comments and other citizens had actually got out, you know, to see if they could see anything. So uh, it's, it's good because that kind of activity, that's what deters crime. And we didn't see any sign of those people. So I'm sure they fled the area. And uh, that's where. Well, remind you see everybody some, again that when to call 911, when you don't call. Okay. Well, let me, say, let me say this first, okay. Greg. Right. If you see something, Say something so we in law enforcement can do something. Okay. Or you can be prepared to do something, you know, if, if your life's in danger. Right. And, you know, so that's one thing. The other thing in calling 911, we ask people this. If you have an emergency, don't hesitate. If your gut tells you to call 911, call 911. That's what those trained professionals are there to do. Another thing I'd like to mention on 911 is they ask a lot of questions. That does not mean that that unit you having to, you may talk to 911 for 15 or 20 minutes. Usually that calls dispatch to under 30 or 40 seconds. So if, uh, if they're getting that information, as soon as they know what your problem is, where the information is, they're sending that, that call taker is sending that out by computer to another dispatcher that's putting out out over the air but it's also going out through our mobile terminal data um, delivery system in the computers in the car so the deputies can see, you know, what's happening, where it's going on, and sign in route to it immediately. Uh, real soon, we're going to have that capability with the fire departments. The fire departments will be able to see things on their hand-delivered devices such as their, their iPads, their iPhones, uh, you know, their Android devices. Uh, so we're making a... Uh, technology is our friend here, mm -hmm. and because of that, we're going to be able to deliver our, uh, our public safety uh, response to, to our citizens quicker, especially a lot of enhancements going on with our volunteer firefighters to help them uh, be able to respond and get messages. And as you mentioned, the, the, the tech, just to remind everybody, sometimes your TV will be out, but your <clears> internet won't. And you'll still have right. access. Everything's online you're talking about. You That's exactly right. website or, you know, mm -hmm. one of the other places off the website, or even Facebook, follow it. You guys post everything on Facebook. It's when things are happening. We sure do. And we have a big social media program with our Facebook at Emergency Services and then the Sheriff's Office. We usually do we'll post that. Anderson County, we, if we have an emergency stuff, post that on the web page there at Anderson County's website also. And all our partners like the Red Cross, the Salvation Army, United Way, they're all working out there diligently. I tell you, every year, uh, Red Cross, with all the houses that's burned out, they do a tremendous job there. United Way, uh, helps us with volunteers and supporting our emergency operations center, and also the Salvation Army. They have a, a shelter open just during any any cold weather. If it gets below 35 degrees, they're always open and allowing people to come in. But also, we do overflow shelters during times of emergency when the power goes out and things. It's our volunteers from the uh, United Way, the Red Cross, and the Salvation Army that comes in and supports us, and uh, they're doing a great job there. Remind, let's clear, okay, so if you have any doubt at all, call 911. If you think, think I might ought to call 911 and do it, when should you not call 911? Well, I, I really, 
Power out's one. Let's, pa- let's power it. outage is one thing that 911 can't help you. Right. You know, you need to call DQ. How about garbage? Garbage. If somebody's out. dumping garbage. If somebody's dumping garbage, we ask you to call the 260-4444 number. You know, one of the other success stories, on, I'll say this on litter, um, uh, Gary Bryant over there at the detention center, they have two litter crews um, that uh, county council approved a second one this year. And I tell you, they really make a big difference out there with that second litter crew cleaning up our community. Does the women's crew out there yet? No, but we're real close to, right. to making that happen too. Okay. That'll be a big deal. I know people forget, I talked to Greg on this past week's podcast that was posted yesterday, um, how big this county is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the forum tonight is sort of dealing with Midway Road area and, you know, the area from roughly T.L. Hanna to the Jockey Lot sort of mm-hmm. is the area they're talking about. And there's a lot of traffic in there and a lot of trash and, so that's the big four on the night. But um, well, I, and that's the reason I asked that is because people are going to be asking, who do you call if you're driving along and the guy in front of you just throws out three bags of garbage? You know, you call the four 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 number. Right? Well, get their tag I, number, get their description, get the description, be a good witness to what's going on. And I, I tell people, don't forget your phones now. You can video things, you can take photos, right. and things like that. When you're being a witness, thing it really makes a big difference. Well, we will catch up again with you soon. Um, we, uh, we're talking to you, like I said, again on Thursday, and we've um, got a lot of things coming. It's a brand-new year, and I know you've got a lot of I tell you, it's going to be exciting here for Anderson County, and uh, we, uh, we stand ready to, to help our citizens with whatever emergency they may have, and uh, we just ask that they continually stay behind, them, behind us, and we're going to be, one of the things that we're going to be launching with the TV station too, Greg, and I know you'll, kind of edit this and make it all sound kind of together. But one of the things that we're going to do, the We Are Anderson County. Right. We started that a few years ago with our 911 dispatchers talking about what their job was, but we can go around the county. Kind of give people a better idea of what Anderson County employees do. That's an old journalism thing that used to be done years ago. You'd do it a day in the life of, filling them like a dispatcher, a deputy, a uh, you know, our litter control people, you know, just kind of go around and, and talk about. It. So, yeah, I'd love to see some more of that going on. And I'll tell you, our litter control officers, that used to be under me when we were in the public safety model. And I think people forget the hard work that those officers oh, And the dangerous work do. they do. I, I yeah. talked to the sergeant uh, this week, and he was just talking about, I'm thinking, man, I'm not sure I'd be picking that stuff up with rubber gloves on, all the stuff they run into, needles, and it's dangerous. Yeah. Well, not only that, but I tell you, they, they end up, having a big impact on their environment. Right. They get into a lot of like tires being right. dumped. They told me how um, many tires. I couldn't believe it. You know, all that stuff, which makes them, they find a lot of, of hidden sites where people are dumping chemicals illegal. They're dumping uh, uh, things that really impact their environment and, and make our county unsafe. And, and, you know, seeing them on some of those big investigations and things that they've done, yeah, they're really making a difference. They really are. All right, well, thanks, Taylor. Happy New Year, and we'll get back together soon. Happy New Year to you, and thank you for, for covering us. Hi, thanks to Taylor for helping us get ready for this severe weather uh, with a plan and a list of emergency items. If you need a refresher on those, you can visit the Red Cross website or the Anderson County Emergency Services website. It'll tell you a list of those kind of items. And also to uh, thank him for reminding everybody about the great work that they are doing there across the county. Uh, we'll talk more about the county's new TV station in the days ahead. Next week's uh, podcast. We'll have some more information on that. It's going to launch soon. And one of the purposes of that county TV station, which will also be streamed online if you don't have charter cable, because it's going to initially be charter cable and streamed online, 
is to assist the economic development efforts of the county, and that's something that's always right there near the top of the list of priorities in Anderson County, and they've done a good job of it. Uh, Rusty Burns and Bruce Nelson in the council and a lot of other folks at the county have done it, and some other folks have too. And that's why on Friday the county has teamed up with the Anderson Area Chamber of Commerce for an economic development forum at the Anderson County Civic Center. It starts at 730 and there's going to be a, a number of speakers. And, they're going to, and I asked this question, you'll hear it in the interview with Pam Christopher here, that um, let's pick about five minutes each about the different areas that, that are doing economic development in the county and how that's going. So Pam Christopher is the CEO of Anderson Area Chamber of Commerce, and she said this event is really important for all citizens of Anderson County to understand how we're working together towards economic development and jobs. The reason we're talking to her today is on Friday, there is an economic development forum that you guys are partnering with the county for. Tell me what this is and why y'all decided to do this. Sure. Um, well, the county kind of had uh, talked with us about it, but, you know, being that I've worked in economic development in the past, you know, I see a big need for it. Um, you know, many times you can be working on projects or working on things to bring to the community and on the behalf but sometimes, you know, we're working so hard at it, we don't realize that not everyone knows. And that, that and hats off to the county. The county said, you know, we really want to make sure that we have a more seamless effort to the community and let them know a transparency, let them know some things that we can tell them. You know, there's obviously always going to be projects, and I know when I've worked on projects, that are confidential. Sometimes they're on a project code name. You can't speak about what's coming. Right. And you can't speak about what's coming because if you do, you could lose the project. And so you have to have that confidentiality really to protect the community and that prospect. So, um, but the things that they can share so the community can be excited and know how hard they are at work on behalf of the community. So I think it's a great time for them to come together, but not just them, but it's all the speakers that are going to be there because it is, economic development is a team sport. Well, who should attend this meeting? Everybody. I mean, typically the, everybody in the community, whether you're a business leader, you're a citizen that just wants to know what's going on in our community, rally around the great things going forward. Uh, you know, you're a clergy, you know, you're someone out in the religious um, group um, or sponsoring a church or whatever, or educators, because, gosh, every literally every citizen out there and every business, and even if, you know, your religion, nonprofit, it touches all of us um, because when they relocate a company here or a company expands here, it's jobs. So it's putting our people, whether you're, you know, citizen here, you're involved in an organization or a business, it's putting our people to work, it's allowing us to have more opportunity here, it increases the service sector, the nonprofits, there's more people to help move our community forward. So it literally helps everyone, economic development does. Well, over the last 40 years, if somebody had not been making that a priority, it would be a ghost town. Absolutely. I mean, we watched textiles die and go away and Absolutely. then dwindle out, and then we've watched a couple other manufacturing places come and go, and if we just kind of depended on them to stick around and do what they said they were going to do, <laughs> we'd go. be in trouble. Right. Well, I know, you know Boris Nelson, and, the, the, and you know, one thing we have, uh, just to mention, that uh, Rusty always, uh, Rusty Burns, interesting administrator, Rusty Burns always mentions is that we have more international development than any other county in the state, and that's a big deal. It because, is. Particularly when you think, you would think the coast, you know, because of the ports and all, but we actually have more, I think it's 23 is my last count, somewhere around there. Uh, countries represented. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's important, you know, and, uh, you know, textiles were really huge in our area, like you were saying. Um, but, you know, that has evolved and textile industries have evolved and a lot of things have become automatic. Um, 
and not that we, you know, we're looking towards that because that did put some of the people out of work. But, you know, then there's been industries that's come forward that's put our people in, you know, back to work. But we're still excited about some of our industries like home tech that is in textiles right. and doing great things. So we appreciate them. But, but if we hadn't been doing economic development. That's right. They would have gone somewhere else. There you go. That's so true. we were doing economic development on that side too. But, you know, it's about diversifying. And you're really smart when... Uh, elected officials and people that help plan and economic development look at making sure that we're not just in one sector of business because then when one sector of business does change it hurts all of us but if we're and they have been doing that really well in economic development making sure that we have a diverse you know industry sector so that it does help us so that's what I think it's going to be exciting so people can you know I think sometimes you go to sleep and you just, you know, you know somebody's there taking care of those kind of things. But it's nice that they're going to come forward, talk about those things so everyone can hear, you know, who is at their home? Who are, who are our leaders in economic development? And who are the leaders in the community making sure things go forward? And business news can put you to sleep because sometimes it's just cyclical. It doesn't really say anything. This is more, hey, here are the companies we've brought recently and how they're doing and where their, their you know, current project is. I mean, there's so many folks now that have announced that aren't even Wexler and, of course, TTI out there with that right. million and a half square feet of, right. of indoor. And then and the people that are going to come around that, the people who don't know, when they talk about economic development, it's a very narrow part of business. And it's a very easy to explain direct, hey, here are the businesses coming, here are the jobs. Here's, right. as, he, as he always puts out, uh, like I mentioned, Bruce Nelson again, he'll say, this many jobs, this average salary, this economic impact on the community, this capital investment. It directly affects taxes here. It Absolutely. directly affects. Uh, First Quality was a good example. He had a, a buildings that were falling in that were going to basically be farmland tax, no money coming out of them at all, and then they've succeeded what they promised. That's right. Direct. Yeah. It's direct impact and action that you're going to be able to hear about, and that's why it's so important for people to come on Friday because you're so right. A couple things I want to hit on. If it weren't for the industries coming in, the citizens would be having that burden of the, of the property taxes alone. You know, so solely. So if it's not for the economic developer and our elected leaders pulling together, trying to see what can we do to make sure that we're bringing in industry, bringing in the right corporate kind of um, a real corporate citizen, uh, you know, the things that they've been doing are the right things. They really are uh, positioning both Anderson, all of our municipalities, and our county as a whole. So I think it's key for us to, to know what's going forward in those arenas. But, and the um, brain drain, too. We don't lose uh, our kids, That's absolutely our smart right. kids. If we don't have the good jobs here, they're, they're gone. The workforce know. development, so we can continue to make sure that those students are here to you know be benefit to those companies expanding and also coming to our area. But you're right. We want to make sure that our kids have an opportunity mm -hmm. to stay here so that they can not only live here but grow up here, too, and be adults here. Um, you know, the nice thing, too, is, you know, you look at these industries, and if it weren't for the planning of our community elected leaders, uh, you know, the county and all of our municipalities, they wouldn't kind of see what's going forward. TTI is a perfect example. This tells you that our economic developers just aren't about recruiting the industries uh, to come here, but they're working with them. They're doing those business retention and expansion surveys, those programs where they're going out and meeting with the industries, which is so key. You know, we just don't recruit you and then forget about you. We hold your hand through the process and find out, you know, what do you need? Is there something that we can, you know, be a part of, you know, in acting? Or is there something you need that's going to make it easier for you to do business here? What are your stumbling blocks? So that we can, you know, remove those. But then to find out from them, you know, what are your plans? What are you, need? Do you Are you revamping up a certain area or, you know, moving to another technology? How many employees do you need? Can we help fit that need? 
oh, you're looking to expand, what can we do about going ahead and trying to acquire property for you and helping you either on your your parcel you have now expand out or a new parcel? So, you know. I think it's important to, to point out, too, that people don't recognize, the international companies, the, one of the top questions they have are quality of life issues. I mean, the numbers do matter, but the numbers don't matter if they look around and there's no community doing anything to help each other, the community's not working together, because, uh, you know, Unfortunately, we in some ways are playing catch up to Europe and being more community minded and right. civic minded and right. those kind of things. So when we talk about, you know, when people say, well, why are they doing all this at Green Pond? Why are they fixing up the boat ramps? Why are they? Those are economic development activities. Those aren't leisure activities. They just just they have that that uh, peripheral uh, benefit for our citizens, and they should have. I mean, they shouldn't be just to attract. But those are the kind of things that make. TTI and Wexler and these people look at us rather than looking at a place that may not have the kind of facilities and, and quality of life uh, attractions that we have. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, um, when I used to be on an international committee, and we had an international committee at the chamber that I was at in the upstate uh, locally here, uh, one of our neighbors. And it was so key to find out from those international prospects what they were looking for. And one was a sense of home. Right. Um, you know, and when we were really smart about developing those that international committee and international clubs so that they would be able to interact with people that were from their home country too, um, you know, looking at the opportunities to make sure that they had what they were seeking. <coughs> um, many times we would talk with the, it's a different sect of what you're looking at, right? Sometimes the industry's coming and forward and, uh, you know, it used to be the price of land. Now it's, you know, the availability of labor is really huge. That's the number one thing. And, you know, your trained workforce, those are really important for the CEO and that board of directors. But the CEO too is influenced by their family and the spouse, the trailing spouse and them finding a job and also the, their family. And it became very apparent that quality of life where, like you said, making sure that there's an opportunity for, you know, relaxation and rest, like the lake. The lake is gorgeous. <clears throat> what a huge benefit. And then, you know, um, arts. You know, we would have the, the uh, spouses come over and it was about uh, shopping. You know, so our, our centers here with mar our, mar our marketers and our retail sector that's so important. Our mall, that's huge. The arts, thank God that the Anderson Arts Center is just so, and our museum, on and on and on. We've got so many things that are so key here. Uh, Pendleton, you know, wealth of uh, knowledge and history and the things that we've got going well, on. You over. mentioned museums. Uh, Anderson Museum is, is probably the best museum in the state in terms of the way it's organized and the way the exhibits are continually updated and all. I mean, it's I've been to bigger museums that just aren't well organized. And we also have two, uh, you know, statewide museums. So you get Tennis Hall of Fame and you got the Agriculture Museum, which are both really interesting kind of. Right. And, you know, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that sense of place. And when they have that, and then also they're looking for their, their, their kids, their children coming forward on university, Anderson University, Clemson University right here, Tri-County Technical College. That is huge to those to those families uh, relocating here with the businesses. So, you know, we have it all. We really do. And I know you'd expect the chamber person to say that, but we really do here in Anderson. And, you know, people that are coming over too, you know, I don't know if y'all realize, but internationally they're taxed to make sure that they support the nonprofit industries. So it is, and they don't realize, and that was one of the things that was interesting with our international committee, that they're not taxed on it here. So then they realize they're not, 
So they're, but they're very philanthropic. So they want to give back and try to help, you know, our nonprofits and our organizations. So just the things that our international companies add into our community, but, all, you know, our, our national or domestic companies And they want to too. see nonprofits that work on the ground here helping the less fortunate right. stuff. That, that's an important because it is sure. important to... And our domestic companies. So, but we have a good mix. I think that's a smart thing is that, you know, Anderson County and the city of Anderson and all our municipalities are working really to make sure we have a diverse business economy, which continues to strengthen so our merchants, everybody, our service sector can continue to grow. But, you know, you're going to hear those people on Friday. So if you ever wanted to come and really know everything that's going on. All right, let's talk. What time? Sure. Let's do that yeah, first. We're abs- a couple of times. Absolutely. This Friday, January 22nd, from 7.30 in the morning to 10 at the Anderson County Civic Center. I uh, want you to come. It's $12 if you're chamber members. If, if you're not a member, it's $15. Uh, excuse me. It's, it's $20 for non-members and $12 for chamber members. Um, so please come. There is a, a, that fee at the door if you haven't already paid. It is a little cheaper. I guess it's $15 at the door for members and 12 if you do pre-registration. So register today before the door Do people price. need to pre-register? Um, it's it's good if we can because it does. We've already um, given Don't a headcount. Right, and we continue to update that headcount. And, you know, they do a little bit over for us, they realize. But if you can call and pre-register, it helps us. That's why you're going to pay $12 for a member price if you pre-register 15 if you don't pre-register at the door it'll be 15 and if you're non-member it's 20 but we would love it if you can pre-register with us because it does allow them to know how many to seat for and appropriate so um, just logistics wise I want to let you guys know who the speakers are going to be that day um, I'm going to go in alphabetical order because they're all very important but how about that Glenn Breed he's the economic developer for the city of Anderson if you want to know what they're doing at Emerge and how they're reaching out to our entrepreneurs and our young people and really trying to take challenge and move us forward uh, in the city, come and hear what he has to say. I'll be there, too, speaking on behalf of the chamber and also um, economic development, you know, because I understand what, what the needs are from a county perspective and a city perspective because I've been an economic developer at the county level and the city level, so I see that. Uh, Dan Cooper is going to be speaking. He's the Director of Economic Development and Government Relations for Tri-County Technical College. Technical College is really big on what they're doing for workforce and continuing to make sure we have that skilled labor going forward. Uh, Francis Crowder from Anderson County Council will be speaking. Uh, he'll be the NC. Finance committee and, yeah. That's right. Yancey McMillan-Robertson, he's the architect um, for the facility where they're going to be doing the new... Um, industrial park and everything yeah and just just as an aside if people have missed it tri-county tech is going to have facility on site for training so people can just walk out the door and get their training for right. whatever industry locates there and that's going to be fairly unique to have a technical campus on site an industrial With economic park. development right right unusual. there at the airport you know that's so smart because you're going to have k-12 through there too so you're going to have the district five Tri-County Tech. No, I'm talking about on the industrial park side. Oh, well, yes. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. But that's what's very unique in, right. the, in that if you need targeted training pretty quickly, they're supposed to be pretty nimble that they can have a targeted training on the next door to your business, and that's at the Sandy Springs Industrial Park. Side. Right. So that, that's pretty interesting. Right. So that'll be neat. But, very you know, creative. another thing they're doing, and people may not realize, but what they're doing with District 5 and having right. a part of the technical college Technol- be on that property that they're going to be doing. Technology Center. Right. Well, that District 5 Center. And then they're going to have economic development, hopefully housed in there, and it'll five, be near the airport. So it'll be three right districts there at the are part of that, yeah. And it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, three, four, and five are all mm-hmm. going to be part of that. And then Burris Nelson, um, the director and president 
of Anderson County Economic Development and Innovate Anderson. Um, he's going to be speaking about what they're doing at the county level, which they're doing great One things. One thing about Burris, too, that I think people forget, you can, it, it is, there's a, an extra bonus when you've got somebody who is as qualified as he is and has deep roots here. That's right. Because there's, there, I mean, there's an added passion. Right. There are people who are really good at economic development, but if you can say, oh, yeah, well, you know, my grandfather, when you're talking to something, and I think that resonates with international companies as well when you've got a, a roots in a the community. History. They yeah. appreciate that, that you've got history in the community right. because they, they know that you're bought in and you're not just someone towing them a line and, and telling them a line. You really job care next, about the next yes. year, yeah. And he's li he lives here and, you know, lives and breathes here. here. That's right. And same thing, you know, on, with, on the city side with Glen Breed. Uh, you know, Glenn Breed is from Anderson. So, you know, I think that is so key. I agree with you. They believe in it. They love it. They have, they're passionate about it. And that is so, that's truly what makes us stand above and rise above. Uh, Evans Whitaker, the president of Anderson University, because they've been doing great things and have students coming out of their system. And, and, and it shows how alive and thriving we are when we have a, a strong Anderson University. Well, and their University partnership with the law enforcement, too, that's been a big deal. That's been a really good thing for both of them. For and they're getting ready to grow their facilities, too. I mean, and the students they've added in, they've done great things. So the new student center is, like, bigger than most of the other buildings combined. Isn't it? <laughs> it's beautiful. And then Brian White, our representative Brian White with the South Carolina House Ways and Means. Yes, so he's, chair, he's, yeah. He knows where the money is. He does. And so he's going to be talking about economic development and the worth of that and how it helps move not only Anderson, but um, our upstate forward. And, um, you know, and it, and it really poises things well for the state. And uh, John Lemus also um, from Upstate Alliance will be there and speaking because he's local, doing, yeah. yes, local gentleman from Anderson and uh, going to be talking on what's going forward, you know, and he can speak to that in the whole upstate arena for economic development. But he knows the strength of Anderson. Now, how long will each one of these people speak? Um, you know, we've given them all probably, they'll probably speak um, five to ten minutes. Okay. So that's why we need we Because it's need almost, it's a little bit overloaded here not, when you get too many speakers. And that the five to ten minutes, you can handle that. Right. So nobody's right. going to have to sit there and listen to a 30-minute. Right. Once you get a little breakfast in you, you're going to be. Right. And just like you and I <laughs> did, we probably did, what, a five, ten minute there. But it was talking about what they're all going to be speaking on. And they'll speak a little bit more to that level in their own respective areas, but you put it all together. And I think people are really going to walk away with a real true sense of what's going on in economic development and a real stronghold. So um, I'm excited. I know talking and working with all of these gentlemen, uh, the great things they're doing uh, for Anderson, and I can't wait for everybody else to hear and cheer them on. They're doing great things. So you're obviously still really energized into your second year here. And uh, what, what else is coming up really quick? I know you've got a meeting here in We'll wrap this up. What else is coming up for the chamber? What's the chamber's big goals for the next year? Well, you know, gosh, looking out after our community, we're uh, right now, one of the things I'm going into is our water resources. We continue to look out after what we need to do uh, to protect Lake Hartwell, our resource for all I saw of where DHEC asked for almost a million dollars today uh, for to test waters and rivers and lakes. And so. Right. And, you know, we're about that stronghold of pushing forward and keep saying that we need to do everything we can to protect the water. Um, you know, to, to make sure we're, we're looking over things when they do the drawdowns and those, and, and also the, the, the water, the potable. The regional water commission of folks, That's yeah. right. Yeah, we're working on we the have, regional That's basis. one of those things we really have not put the financial resources to. I mean, we basically have one intake for most of the county out of right. Lake. If something ever happened, we'd be 
See, yeah. and those are the things we're working with. We're working with the Corps of Engineers. We're working with Clemson University in the state. And whether people, there are a lot of people probably don't know, but the, the chamber has a big hand in making sure that we protect that, not only the amount of water coming out, but the quality of the water. And because that's what's going to continue to push us forward and make us thrive. Well, in since the you mentioned that, remind too. people who are listening that don't know, what does, what does the chamber do? Because, I mean, people, I mean, everybody, they think it's everything from the welcome wagon to, <laughs> you know, to economic development, but they, people, you know, that aren't members or haven't been involved, what does the chamber do? Sure. Gosh, we do. First of all, we do promote every one of our businesses, you know, and help them move forward. And we track how many times we relay the information on our businesses here, which, you know, staggering. you got to see how many times we refer businesses. We advocate on their behalf. So just like I'm talking about water resources, where we make sure that we're um, looking after that avenue, you know, we look out after our businesses, like for the roads and the things we need to do to make sure our, our our businesses are impactful and they're continuing to be able to provide the services they do. So we're looking after roads. We're looking after education, making sure that we get all the resources we need for education and working with them on the workforce development initiatives. Um, and that's from K through 12 and also our university systems and our uh, Tri-County Technical College. So, you know, we're working in those avenues and it's about collaboration and partnership. Um, but, you know, we're continuing to see what are all the things that we need to do to make sure that we, we work on behalf of um our medical and our health care facilities uh, and, you know, making sure we have things from the youngest person in our community to our oldest person in our community. Um, gosh, we're helping develop leadership, and I don't know if people realize, but we have the junior leadership um, for Anderson and uh, JLA uh, and for, that goes to our community. Right now there's 40 students involved in that program. We have the adult, adult leadership program that goes through. And if you didn't have leadership in your community and continuing looking at the future leaders to take up those roles to move us forward, uh, you know, because hopefully we're all going to be here a lot, a long time going forward, right, Greg? But we need to continue to develop the future leaders coming in to take our place. Um, you know, and if you don't, uh, community becomes stagnant. How so, old are junior leaders? Also, JLA is not Justice League of America. You don't have right. Super no, it's, it's yeah, no, 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 no. It's junior, uh, you know, it's it's junior leadership Anderson, How old are they? and they are juniors of high school. Okay, yeah, so, so literally juniors. So yes. anything about it. Yes, so you know, excited about that because that gives them a taste about what we do. But literally, a chamber impacts um, positive movement for our economy. But we work with our arts, our nonprofits, um, uh, healthcare, education. Um, economic development, you know, we're, we're the advocacy, legislation to make sure we're doing everything we can, not only at the federal level, but at the state level that is protecting our businesses. So we work with our elected officials where we do public policy. We actually form things and, and, and have um, things that we get behind and, and, and push forward for legislation and in our at our capital and in at the Washington D.C. level, so a lot of people don't realize that a chamber does all that. We work with, you know, I've been working with our uh, local uh, merchants here for retail to make sure that you know we're, we're engaged and moving them forward and, and listening to them on their needs. But we're also working with our shopping center here too. So you know, we literally from A to Z, the chamber gets involved to make sure that we can be impactful and engaging to move people forward. I mean, we need to be able to rally the troops and really to push forward any initiatives that our community and our businesses need to make sure they're thriving. Yeah, so um, if somebody is visiting town and they talk to merchants, which you locate here, you want positive. I think that's what you mentioned. I think that's one of the things that your leadership has brought to the chamber is, is as a positive agent rather than just a business resource of some sort. You, you see it as an advocacy rather than just a resource. There's a big right. difference there. That's right. 
we want to be there to help. And if we're not there to help, we're not doing our job. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't just be about, you know, taking money and, and waiting for somebody and, to call you. That's right. I, I better be out being impactful and trying to look ahead of the issues. I don't want to be reactive. I want to be proactive. So we need to be talking about our industries and businesses to see where they're going, what they need, what are, like we just talked about, what's impeding them, and what can we do to make that change to make sure that things are moving forward. We can't be trying to back up, you know, and trying to correct something. Um, you How know, many so members do you forward. have now? Uh, you know, we're, we're having, we're 875, 876. We're right there at the cusp of 900. So, you know, and anybody can be a member of the Do you have a goal? Uh-huh. I, mean, well, I would love to be over 1,000. I really would. And, um, you know, I think the thing is we have to be better about telling our story. Just And I love it that you come and talk to us because a lot of people don't know what all the chamber does. And um, it is impactful in the things that we're doing. And, you know, we've got the thing I'm excited about, you know, we're, the leadership, we've got a young professionals group that's starting up. And we have a ton of people excited about getting involved in that. And then, you know, the, the young uh, leaders in our community, you know, our junior uh, leaders from the junior leadership, um, Anderson, they're wanting to get more involved in the chamber. Can, can we be part of the chamber? And I'm like, why not? You know, I, I would love when we're going for our Washington fly-in. We've got amazing uh, youth, you know, in our community. I want to take them with me. I want, when they're four flying up, I want our, you know, our senators to know and our congressmen to know, you know, what a stronghold we have for our future here in Anderson. We've got students doing amazing things and we should be shining the light on them. You know, it's not about, I think here's the difference. It's not about the chamber shining the light on us. If we're really doing our job, we're shining the light on our businesses. We're shining the light on our people and we're trying to move things forward. We're trying to do everything we can to, to help them move forward. That's what that's what our job is, and hopefully we're we're meeting that we're meeting that need and that goal. Well, I think you are. I've heard, like I said, I've heard more good comments in the last year or so than I've heard in many years. So that's a good thing. Well, I love in it. That direction. So let's remind people one more time: what time and where? And sure, this Friday. Don't forget this Friday, January twenty second, seven thirty to ten at the Anderson County Civic Center on Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. Come out and be with us from seven thirty to ten. I want you to hear all the great things they're doing, and let's cheer on our economic developers and everyone who has a piece of that pie and helping us move forward. They're doing a great job. Sounds great. I plan on being there taking pictures. I appreciate so it, I'll Greg. See you then. Thanks, Pam. All right. Pam Christopher has done a great job leading sort of a renaissance for the Anderson County, Anderson Area Chamber of Commerce, uh, and really has brought it into a place where they are really trying to help everybody, whether they're members or not. You can call them. You can find them on the web. You can look at their Facebook page and find out all information about them. I look forward to seeing folks out there at the Economic Development Forum. should be a good breakfast. And, you know, the, the folks speaking five minutes, it should be pretty interesting to hear all the, the different uh, fingers in the pie of uh, Anderson County's economic development and all the things we do have going forward in, here into 2016. As Pam mentioned, Clemson University is an important part of economic development area. I know the county's been partnering more with them. And who is a better ambassador of that school than the mascot, the lovable Clemson Tiger? You see him on the sidelines at all the games football, basketball, soccer, other things. Well, former Clemson Athletic Director John Zaketa has a new book that tells the story of the history and a lot of the fun sort of anecdotes from the mascots present and past. And 
all the people who wore the costumes sat down and talked to him about it for this book, and we sat down and talked to John about the book. The author of the book, Clemson Through the Eyes of the Tiger. Now, tell them who you are, John. So, people... I'm a retired assistant athletic director from Clemson Athletics. Okay. I worked there for 26 years, four months, and nine days. People always laugh about that like you are now. But, but you know, it's one of those things, you know, we're all about stats, you know, in, in athletics, so that's a good stat, and I've been retired for three years and uh, 19 days now and i'm going up to 26 and higher now are you still a spotter are you still doing stuff or you just do the stats naturally they just come naturally it's just a natural thing for everybody <laughs> okay well all right tell us about your book clemson through the eyes of a tiger we had a reunion uh, a year and a half ago two football seasons ago and had 35 former mascots tigers and tiger cubs come back for a football game homecoming and out of that mike bays the all-time push-up leader says why don't we do a book? I said, okay, I'm retired. I can do that. Not, not having done a book before in my life other than reading media guides and athletics. So I sent a questionnaire out to all the former mascots, and I said, okay, just fill this out, and we'll go from there. So basically they filled it out, and, and it just you know, built in what it is today, a 214-page book with uh, or 26-page book with you know, colored pictures on the inside and, and different – Tiger head shots and you know about 200 pictures inside, black and white pictures. So well, when, nice did the, when did the mascot start? Started in the early 1950s. Roy Sutherland was the first mascot that I found on record, and basically he thought it was like 51, 52. And I just said, well, why don't we just go with the early 1950s? Because he really wasn't sure exactly which right. game, what year. He knew he went to a bowl game down in Miami, but he wasn't the mascot that year. So I said, well. 19, early 1950s would work for everybody. And they've had a mascot every year since then? Every year since then. And in 93, we added on the Tiger Cub, which is a smaller, more playful version of the Tiger. It's got bigger shoes, looks like Mickey Mouse and different uh, characters on the face. And started with the Cub with bib overalls. And our first Cub was Jay Williams uh, from uh, Fairfax, Virginia, who now lives in Annapolis, All right. Maryland. Now, the mascots, are they... Students or how's that working out? I don't. They're uh, current university students. Okay. And we have a um, selection process right after spring break. So basically, the, the two weeks after spring break, any student who's interested in trying out will go to a clinic, and from there they have cop- opportunity for the next few weeks to get in a suit at baseball games or a tennis match and just get the feel of the suit. And then usually on the spring football game, that day before or after or that day of. There'll be the actual tryout where the students all get in a suit and see what they're like in the suit in front of a, a large audience. And then there's a re- uh, interview process where we ask them questions about why do you want to be the mascot. And then they have to do a prepared skit, and then we give them a spontaneous skit that they have to react to all within, like, you know, 10 or 15-minute period. So does somebody serve more than one year, or you can try it? You, you have to, to try it again, to, though? You try out every year. Okay. and. So you basically, you know, you're there as much as three years, basically. After okay. three years, you know, really after two years, you're burned out. But they say, oh, I can do it one more year, right. whatever. And then you find out the third year, you know, they got to finish their classes. and and But, you know, they still, they love it so much, they, they want to do it more than now, that. Is there an ideal years. size? Do you have to be a certain size? I mean, if you're, have if you're seven foot tall, you couldn't do it, right? Well, John Wellburn was about six nine, six eight, And he had the same suit from the year before, so I, I would... Interested to see what he looked like in a suit with, you know, the legs <laughs> sticking out or whatever. But those were the early years of the mascot. So, right. yeah, right now you'd prefer to have a cub shorter than a tiger 
Yeah, you know, a, a six-foot tiger is about right, and a cub could be anywhere from five four to five eight, five nine, whatever, depending on the tiger size. And it can be a male or a female, right? It can be a male or How female. How many women have done it? There hasn't been a female tiger. There's been female cubs. Okay. We've had three or four, and and right now the the, the trend is more of of the the girls being the cub and the, and the guys being the the tiger. And and the mascot is sort of a head cheerleader type. I mean, their their purpose is to rally the crowd or get people engaged. What's the? Why did they do a mascot? In the early fifties, you know, the mascot was selected from a member of the cheerleading squad. Okay. And then come in the eighties, it, it switched to. You know, actual mascots had their own tryouts. So uh, the mascot, just like, yeah, it could be a cheerleader at times trying to get the crowd involved. But a lot of it's just to, you know, go around and meet the kids and, you know, be playful and, you know, try to change the mood of the game if possible by their antics. You know, be fun-loving, uh, interact with the visiting mascot if they're at home or on the road, you know, visiting crowd. And, you know, uh, kids are impressionable. So it's like, you know, when you're between 8 and 12 years old, I think that's when a lot of you know, children make their impressions on what team they're going to support. So if you got a good mascot, you could change a, a young little Gamecock fan into a Tiger fan. And, that, you know, that's the goal is to have fun and change uh, mascots from – change kids from one team to Right. Another. Now, d- does the Tiger do all sports or just football or what's – how does that work? Once again, in the early years, it was just football and maybe a couple of basketball games. But now it's it's all sports. So that's why they burn out. If you did all the basketball games and football games and baseball, I mean tennis match. Tennis and, and a lot of a lot of times you just, you can just show up, you know, do the introductions, stay for the first you know fifteen minutes, and then you leave to another event because there's multiple events on campus all the time. They do personal appearances about three hundred of those a year around the state. Yeah, tell me what kind of events they go to. Well. Um, you know, on the 26th, they'll be here at the museum doing an event. They do weddings. Uh, they do birthday parties. They do uh, grand openings at, like, Bilo grocery stores. They've done Bilo, uh, which was one of our corporate sponsors. They do their grand openings. They'll do um, the Tiger Tailgate Show. Uh, so just by anything you can think of, there's an appearance. Uh, they'll go to it. Well, what were some of your favorite stories that they told you from the folks you talked to when you started putting this book together, things you didn't know or things that just sort of... From eight, yeah, from 86 forward to, to present, I knew most of the stories because I've been in Clemson since 86. It's the ones prior to you, you hear about, you know, the uh, the legendary push-ups uh, against Wake Forest. And, right. You know, the uh, 379 and Chris Kibler, the mascot at Wake Forest, came across the, the field and helped out with some of the push-ups. So we gave credit to Chris in the book. For, uh, his participation. And, it was a game where Clemson scored 84 points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, so, and, and today the mascot's not going to set a record like that because they switch out every other quarter. So there's two Tigers and two Cubs. And oh, okay. They, they, so there's multiple mascots. Yeah, they, they multiple because there's so many more appearances right. now. Uh, but, you know, people won't like to hear this, but I think one of the funniest stories is uh, when we played Alabama one year and the mascot wants to meet. Bear Bryant goes up to introduce himself, and Bear asks him for him. I'm from Anderson, da da da, and he doesn't get hot in his suit. He says, "Yes, it does." And you know, and, he, and the mascot says, "Well, it's not that hot when you're winning." Well, Bear Bryant says it's going to be very hot, very hot tonight. You know, and the game was <laughs> Alabama uh, 56, Clemson nothing. Well, you know, you can tell Alabama was on the field this past two weeks ago when uh, you know <laughs> Coach Sweeney and the Tigers, you know, right had a chance of winning that game. So I mean. Lots happened over the years from the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s to present, you know. Uh, but, yeah, people uh, see the mascot mainly at football games, but 
you know, he or she could pop up anywhere around the country at any given time. Now they do a lot of commercials with ESPN, and, you know, the guys talk about that a little bit. But in doing the book, it, it's hard to get them to talk about everything. You know, they, it's like they need to be doing what we're doing now, sitting across from somebody and talking about their experiences. And we got four or five of them coming here for the mascot signing on the 26th from 6 to 8 o'clock. So this will get them talking about it, and then all of that. There's where you get a second book or a third book and whatever you want to do with it. So did, get them to talk about did it. Did anybody ever get overheated just drop? They, uh, it's hot there in those yeah, early games. And Mike, Mike Bay's, you know, the mascot in the 90s, he used to get IVs all the time. And I always kid him about Mike, you're soft, you know. It's like you can't have an IV, you know. <laughs> but, you know, the suit changes. It's a little bit thicker in quality and heavier and... And, you know, in the hotter days, you know, you, you know, it depends if you're dehydrated or not from the night before. Because, you know, again, you could be doing a soccer game on a Friday night and turn around, you got a Saturday football game with a you know, pregame parade and everything. So now with m- multiple mascots on game day, you can switch them in and out and, you know, they stay fresh and you get a better performance by everybody. Did a Tiger ever get, like, overexcited and run on the field or do something that got you in trouble, a team in trouble or anything? Uh, there's... There's opportunities for those guys to do that a lot, and you, you got to pull them back. And you don't see it today. You did it in the early days, probably more so than you do now. I mean, they used to climb on top of the crossbar, which you know to have a mask on the crossbar today is unheard of. You would never see that. You know, right. uh, Will Sykes is down at South Carolina one year, and he picks up one of the girls in the band from South Carolina and carries her off the field. You know. Or they'll pick up a tuba and, and walk up and down the band uh, with the band at Notre Dame one year in, in 77 or 78, but up in South Bend. You know, they get in trouble for that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, if you ask any band director, he or she doesn't want to see a mascot anywhere near the field because <laughs> that ruins their performance, you know. Right. And, and a mascot's just having fun. And I understand the band director's 100% that, that, you know, that eight minutes when they're on the field, that's their territory. Sure. So... So you have to watch those guys. Say, guys, stay away from the band and all that. Wait till they get done. Then go out whatever time's left and have fun with it. They interact with the players much? If they know them, it, you know, they will. You know, if they have classes with them, sometimes you'll see them high-five a, a player as they come on and off the field and all that kind of stuff. You do see that. And and there was a time in, in, in the 80s, I know, when we scored a touchdown, the guys would run towards the hill to celebrate, like doing their own Lambo leap. But now the players really, when they score a touchdown, they turn around and go back to the to the benches because you're not going to get flagged for it, you know, excessive celebration. So, you know, the, the officiating over the years have taken away some of the fun of the mascots. Mm-hmm. Can't make fun of them. Like, they used to dress up with the old, um, you know, the the referee shirt and all that kind of stuff. And I go off that, the coin yeah. toss and all that. So it, it, it's a lot of little things like that that you can't do anymore. And you mentioned a little bit the interaction they have with the other mascots. Is that a, That's a big part of what they do, too. If you get one that's playful and fun. Yeah. Uh, it, it one of the classics. It can get ugly too, though. It, it gets ugly, and, and there's a story in here when they're down at Georgia Tech, and uh, the mascots are fooling around, and and Georgia Tech's filming this, and they got on their video board in the stadium, and you know our mascot basically outduels their mascot and takes them down, and you know push comes to shove, you got to separate them because they actually was probably a little fight in there. It's on a local TV and everything, and besides being inside the stadium, well. 
Monday after the ball game, we get a call from Georgia Tech yelling and screaming at us, like, you know, can't believe your mascot did this. You know, it's all over our video stuff. It's like, what? You filmed it. We didn't film it. You know, so don't go blaming us on what they did. You're filming it to your to the whole public. Right. So you should take some of the blame yourself. But right. your guy lost is the only reason you're. Yeah, their guy lost. And, you know, <laughs> there used to be time when the Maryland mascot would get an altercation where, the, you know, it's like with two mascots, one goes behind the other, kneels down, and then the other one pushes yeah, them over. Yeah, yeah. Wow, Maryland got mad at that one time, you know, but. You know, there used to be a bounty on the on the tiger's tail back in the sixties seventies when you go play on the road, especially at Georgia Tech. Their their rats, their freshmen, would always try to steal the tiger tail. So there's pictures of them losing that battle, getting thrown in jail. But uh, the classic is North Carolina had a radio station, and they might still have it. And they talk about there's a bounty on the tiger tail, hundred dollars. Anybody you know get the tail, we'll give you a hundred dollars. Well. You know, they call up the mascot and says, not going to happen. And so the fraternity back at Chapel Hill says, well, you know, let's just raise the ante to $200. They call him the next day. It's not going to happen. So, you know, the radio is talking about, you know, about the game and all that. And they say, let's just raise it to 500 And they call the mascot. He says, for 500 I'll take the tail off and give it to you. <laughs> so, you know, the, the mascots are entrepreneurs. You know, they want to make a little Good money if they can. And now, do they get paid? That's the next they get a, a small uh, scholarship that helps them out, and there's some personal appearance money that helps them get to and from the events. Right. But you look at any event, you know, they're supposed to be there an hour, an hour and a half. It ain't, it's really becomes a three-hour event, you know, because by the time you leave your apartment, go pick up the suit, get to the event, get back. Now, are they covered by the same rules as athletes? I mean, if somebody wanted to just, hey, you did a great job, hand them some money, could they take it, or is that... Yeah, but you from none of those. But they're not covered by like any no, kind no, of. No, no, there's NCAA no NCAA rules. But I got you. Okay. People are. I understand you don't want them taking cash, yeah. but I mean, if somebody said, "Hey, you know." Yeah, basically, you know, I say, you know, you know, they invite them to tailgate. You know, come by our tailgate. You know, we'll feed you, you give go. you something to drink before or after the game. Were there ever any mascots you just knew you didn't want to mess with that just weren't going to play? I mean, I don't before we get away from other teams that just. Did not have much of a sense of humor that you can remember over the years? Um, not really. Okay, I mean, most, yeah, you wouldn't do that if you... Right, yeah. And, and nowadays, they, they have events where all the mascots from the conference go to Charlotte for, you know, the AC football championship or for the or for ACC basketball championship. So they all know each other, per se. And so they're all friends, so you really don't see that anymore. I mean, I'm sure there was times when you didn't want to go anywhere near Buzz or, you know, the Tar Heel or the Wolfpack or whoever. But, right. Uh, there's some classic stories. Did Clemson ever have a real tiger? Not to my knowledge. I don't but think so. I'm trying to remember if that ever. I'm sure it crossed somebody's mind many times that they want to have it. You, you <laughs> see that every now and then. Hey, let's bring a tiger on campus and you know start feeding. And all. So, what did you learn about writing a book that you didn't? Uh... Uh, it wasn't as hard as I thought it would be because when you retire, you just sit home and you know you type away for a couple pages here and there. But there's a lot of tricks of the trade about how long it takes to when you get your final edit to the production process to get into the stores and, and what the stores want to charge you to sell their book and to sell your book either on a consignment basis. And so what I like is what we're doing here is like I can work with a local business and let them make the money for their charities. You know, right. And to help out the you know museum is, is great, you know. And, and and portion of proceeds goes back to the mascots for a fun where they can go visit children in the hospital. Oh that's great. So if someone calls hey, you know, we got a child in such and such town can you have the mascot? Here's a little bit of money that we can set aside, give it to the mascot, help the family out, and then, you know, go help that child. And, again, there's stories in there about how the mascots do affect their lives of, of, of children. 
and more so their family and, and you know their you know parents or whoever else you know so it helps and these kids everybody volunteers basically i mean you can't force someone to be the mascot it's somebody has to find you and you know we could put ads out there left and right but the kids who want to do it will find you and that's great quality about the mascot you know they're low-key kids that you wouldn't expect who they are and you know the next thing you know they're they're doctors they're lawyers they own companies president companies they're very uh, successful people at the end so this is a, a book of stories of folks while they were a mascot and what they've gone on to do since and their stories that from their time right right it's it's about when they were in school and the, the only thing about I, I put a bio who they are and where they're at today gotcha kind of says so if you happen to know like tony sod from anderson here well, no one realized that tony was a mascot you know I didn't john know potter uh, another resident of anderson you know grows up and becomes a tiger for a couple of years and so i put their hometown and their uh, Current residents in their current job, in, in their bios. So, would you say that no real Clemson fan should be without this book? No Clemson, and no Clemson fan, no South Carolina fan, or any fan. Uh, you know, it's it's like there's always a rivalry between the two schools. Well, we're the first one to have a book. They don't have a book about cock, to my knowledge, out there, where you know all the former mascots are, have been interviewed and you know asked to participate. So. Yeah, it's it's a rivalry that we got one on them right now, and it really it should be on everybody's coffee table because it's a tailgating book because there's so many different stories that crosses everybody's generation from your grandparents to your your young newborn baby. Yeah, you know that there's a story you can tell them, and you know, and they're all great stories. It's history, you know, and it, and you know unless you corner these former mascots down to tell you the stories, you know, it, it's gone. And so at least we got some of it documented. Uh, which is the good thing, and you know, it's, again, you know, both schools, all schools, whether even Anderson University here, it has great stories. You know, so it doesn't matter where you're at. Okay, I'm gonna switch gears a little bit. I'm gonna talk to Beverly Childs, who's director of the museum. All right, tell us about the event one more time. Oh, it's going to be fun. It's uh, Tuesday the 26th, mm-hmm. and it starts at 5 p.m. and we'll run as long as people are here having fun. We'll be here. Uh, normally on Tuesday nights we close at 7, but we'll see. We're expecting a, a big crowd. As John said, everyone needs this on their coffee table. I have plenty of books at my house in the bookshelves, but there's two books out at my house. Anderson Memories. You can get it at our gift store, by the way, and <laughs> Clemson Through the Eyes of the Tiger, and you can get that in our so uh, gift store, too. I have read bits and pieces of it, yes. Have I read it from front so to back? Fun. No. It's a fun it book. It is a fun book. You learn so many interesting things. So, it, And multiple gave, tigers will be here. Multiple tigers will be here. Five. Five? Five tigers will be here and from At least one years. in costume, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yes. Is that correct? One so, in costume. And some of the guys who might show up might jump in the suit, too. Okay. So it's going to be a fun evening. It is a great family event. If you have young children, you need to bring them. They will have a great time meeting these uh, former Tigers. I don't think the present Tiger's coming. He can't come, can he? He's on the list to come. Oh, yay. Yeah, we'll have the present Tiger. So, so the present Tiger will be here, too. You, you can buy your book in the museum gift store then you can come down, get John to sign it, and, of course, what Tigers are here that evening can sign it also. We'll probably have some orange something or another out to uh, drink. I, I don't know what that will be yet, but I'm a, I mix great 
things up to, and we'll make it orange. So it's going to be a fun event. Sounds good. Everybody come. All right. And then finally, I know this is this is Friday. I'm going to give you one more shot at remembering everybody about Gala. the Night Gala. Yeah. Even if it rains, it won't hurt you. You can get an umbrella. Get an umbrella. Winter Night Gala is Friday night. Rain or not. Food, music. Music. Food, drinks, tickets are available at the museum, 260-4737. So you can come that night, have a great time dancing to the band. It's 7 until, normally we close down about 11, but it can run longer. Uh, That night also we have our exhibit, uh, the Franciscans of Anderson County opening. Okay, so that would be the... Yeah, and that's open to the public starting Saturday morning, which would be the 23rd, I think. Okay, as always, lots going on at the museum. Glad to hear that. And I'm thinking a lot of folks are going to have fun coming out and seeing the tiger, and it should be a great time. Yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, You know, bring your... Bring every member of your family. Bring your camera. Take pictures. Right. And it, this is a chance to see the, the mascots out of costume. You know, you never see them out of costume per se. Uh, and, you, know, you know, really the most famous person out of costume was President Barker when he was president of the University of Clemson. He was in a suit three times and he took the head off. And, uh, you know, so, you know, people wanted, he wanted them to see, the student body to see him and vice versa because right. the students asked him to do it. So, right. you know, there's a story about him in there and there's a story about college game day uh, when Corso was worn the headgear and all that kind of stuff on campus. So, you know, there's a lot of little trivia in there. Again, it, yeah, it's a great trivia book in terms of, you know, you can bring back old football, basketball, whatever type of rivalries there are uh, listed in the book about, you know, when you're sitting at the dinner table or, you know, you got a party at the house, pull out the book and see who knows what. All right. Well, I'm glad you said yes when they asked you to write it because it wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about this if you hadn't. Yeah, it, it, it's been fun. And, you know, now the part is, you know, going out and, and doing these type of events, which, you know, you get to meet the people and they get to meet the former mascots. And, and again, a lot of times you don't know who the mascot is until they walk across the straight stage at graduation. We allow them to wear their gloves or, you know, John Potter wore the whole, the whole suit instead of the, except for the head when he graduated and threw T-shirts in the crowd. So, uh yeah, get some of the local guys here to t- tell their stories. I think people go, oh, okay, I want to be a mascot, or you never know who's going to be one. That's awesome. That's the cool thing about it. All right, well, thanks, John. Appreciate Thank it. Hope everybody much. comes out. Yeah. I do, too. It's free and open to the public. This does sound like a really fun event. I uh, hope to see some of you out there at the museum Tuesday night for the book's kickoff. The Tiger himself will be on hand, as they said, for photos, and it will really be a good time to bring families out and Clemson fans. Anybody that's a Clemson fan wants to come out and meet the current Tiger and some of the past Tigers. Uh, Tuesday night would be a good time for that. Well, stay warm. And that's about it for this week's Anderson Observer Podcast. News from people you trust. Next week, we'll take a closer look at the new county TV station. Uh, we'll talk with a historian in our area who's really one of the most informed guys I've run into lately, a young guy who's really been keeping up with Anderson County history and is a part of this day in Anderson history and the Anderson Observer every day. You can look at it there at andersonobserver.com. And we'll also talk to the director of one of the county's two statewide museums, the South Carolina State Agriculture Museum. I know you won't want to miss that interview with him. I promise you won't. Those are both good interviews. In the meantime, get out and do something to make Anderson a better place. It doesn't show signs of stopping. And I brought some corn for popping. The lights are turned way down low.